grin at your neighbor real quick. A grin is different than a smile. A smile puts you at ease. A grin kind of makes you suspect. And I figure if you're sitting there feeling suspect, you'll stay awake. Okay? So do whatever it takes. We're so glad you're here this morning. We're going to get into the Word of God. The Word of God is life-changing. The Word of God is life-giving. And uh, we don't want to waste any time with that. And I'm very excited about what I'm going to share with you this morning. Next week, everybody say next week. Next week, week, make sure that you're here because we're going to give you a book. Give you a book. It's called The Meadowbrook Mandate. It's about what God has called us to do. If you'll remember this past August... Uh, It was the 20th anniversary of Meadowbrook Church, and the Lord put a two-week message in my heart called The Next 20, that should he tarry, and we have 20 more years, and we don't know, then what is it that he would have us to do? And it's kind of a four-pronged focus here, the Lord, high and lifted up, the church, the world, and the poor. And this is my heart, this is those messages, this is what God put in my heart, And I want to get it to you. And the reason we're giving it to you is because I want to get it into every household without excuse. And it's an easy read. um, And I want you to get it and read it. We'll be giving them out uh, next week. And from now on, any membership class, come through the Belong class. We want to put it in their hands because, you know, power is released for purpose. And we've got to know what our purpose is and what we're really rallying around, what God has called us to do. And I feel just very strong on this. I've read it a couple times. um, And just to kind of drive it further in my heart. And it's so much in my heart that I I choke up. I tear up about three or four different times through this book. And that's not really the point. The point is we've got to all be rallied around, centered up on the same thing of this is what we're doing. And anything that we would do, why are we doing that? And it is to fulfill the mandate that God has given us. Why are we helping in Haiti? Because God wants us to do some things regarding the world and the poor. And I'll talk a little bit more about this next week. But we'll be be, uh, giving these out next week. And so make sure that you're here. Uh, Next week could be the big push on that. And then we're going to have them for, you know, a good good time to come until they they run out. And then we'll probably reprint so that we can can, uh, keep them going. So plan on being here next week. Amen? Amen. Be there. Aloha. (laughs) And maybe you know that show. Hawaii Five-O. Okay, never mind. Well, we're in our uh, series entitled Respect. Everybody say respect. respect. Say it again. Respect. respect. What we've been talking about is really respecting God and the things of God. I think that when you respect God and the things of God, you don't allow those things to become optional. And obviously you're here. You know, and that's one of the things, just coming to church that some people tend to make optional, you know, in their lives. So regarding respect, we saw that Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, having observed everything, just quick review real quick. um, He came up with three things that are our obligations. Number one is to fear God. Number two is to keep his commandments. And thirdly, prepare for final judgment. And to fear God, which is where we're focusing in, because I think that's the important one. If we fear God, if we respect God, if we, if we really uh, amp up that whole word of fear God in today's vernacular and with the highest understanding we could have a, of that, I think it is respect, respect, say it again, respect, that we respect God. If we do that, we will 
keep his commandments. And we will be ready for final judgment. And so we've got to zero in on that where we love what God loves. We hate what God hates. And we love God telling us what to do. That's my paraphrase of Psalm 112 verse 1. But what that is, is we've got to choose the fear of the Lord, learn the fear of the Lord, and then continue in the fear of the Lord. It is not only our duty, but it's the key to what makes life actually work. And so let's get in and let's stay in regarding fear of the Lord or respect. Now, last week I took you into a different aspect of respect. And we talked about that you need to have a healthy respect for your enemy. That you actually have an enemy of your soul. And you need to respect him in this sense. Kind of like you would respect that saw blade on a table saw. Or the spines on a catfish when you're trying to take the hook out of them. You have a respect for that. And so, but we understand that Jesus has won the victory. He has gained the victory on the cross through his atoning work. And sin and the devil and evil have been defeated. But Satan is still, as I shared with you, the lame duck ruler of this world. He's defeated, but he's still present. And he still has influence. He still has some abilities and so forth. And he likes to run rampant over those who are ignorant of his devices. And so our goal last week was so that we're not ignorant of his devices, then he cannot take advantage of us. Amen. Well, today I want to move on and talk about another aspect of of respect. And I'll go ahead and move on to this. We need to respect God as our source. Everybody say source. Okay. Y'all are a little too weak for me today. Let's try this again. We need to respect God as our source. Would you say source this morning? Thank you. That's much better. Much better. Now, as I told first service, we are going to put in a coffee bar. And it's not because that's the trendy thing to do. It's because some of y'all need it. But uh, just crank up with me this morning. We only got a few moments here together and you do not want to miss this. We need to respect God as our source, as our provider for everything. He needs to be your source. Not, not a, and I'll get to some other things in a moment, but your heavenly father needs to be your source. And in Matthew chapter six, verse 32, Jesus said, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So your heavenly father knows what you need. Come on. Your heavenly father knows what you need. And one of the greatest promises of the Christian life is this, is that God will take care of us. Somebody get the coffee. I'm, I'm going to do that again. One of the greatest promises of this Christian life is that God will take care of us. Now, I don't have you do this often, but I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick and say, God will take care of you. Now, find you a new neighbor and tell them God will take care of you. And I'm going to tell you, listen to me, God will take care of you. He knows how to take care of his own. And we need to respect him as our source, allow him to be and acknowledge that he is your source. He will take care of you. Now, Paul in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Let me read it to you from the Amplified Bible. It's going to be a lot more words, but it's going to do exactly that. It's going to amplify this for us. Paul says, not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned. Now, if, he can, if, if Paul had to learn it, we have to learn it. I have learned how to be content. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. I want to read that part again. For I have learned how to be content. Satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances. And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I've learned in any and all circumstances the secret. Everybody say the secret. The secret to facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry. Having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. I have, here's the secret. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Is that not awesome? He learned to be content. He learned to be content when he had plenty. He, weren't, he learned to be con- content when he had lack. And this word content means satisfied. Satisfied. It also carries with it the idea of to not be anxious. To not be disturbed. And let me throw this at you too. And to not be complaining. To not be complaining. Wow. And I think when we respect God as our source. And knowing that every good thing that we have in our life has come from him. Then if I have plenty. Or if I have just enough to get along. I am to respect him. And to be satisfied. To be content. Not disturbed. Not anxious. And not complaining. Sometimes we don't. We just don't have. And sometimes we don't have what we want. And sometimes we don't have what we need. Follow me. And sometimes we don't have what we once had. And sometimes we don't have what somebody else has. And when that's the case, then we end up discontent, anxious, disturbed, and complaining. It's been said that discontent comes by comparison. Discontent comes by comparison. Uh, It's happened with all my kids, but just recently my 10-year-old, Gabriel. Happiest can be, go to school, pick him up, comes home. There's something he's got to have. Because one of his buddies has one of these or told him about this. It's the latest, greatest this. It's a game. It's that. It's whatever it would be. Got to have one. And he's discontent. Got to have one. And the thing was, that morning before he even knew there even was one, He was content. And I don't pick on him because guess what? We're the same way. And we've learned how to be discontent. I said we've learned how to be discontent. Our culture, our society, media. That's what commercials are all about. It's to make you discontent. Just you start feeling a little bit okay about yourself. Then you realize because you don't drive that or brush with that, you're not sexy. And because you don't eat this and you don't go there, you're not cool. And you walk through the mall and you feel okay about the clothes you're wearing. 
And they got shiny glass windows. Did you notice that? That's so you can see you. And you can see what they're selling. Good reason to stay out of the mall. It's not good for your image. Well, we've learned how to be discontent. We've got to learn how to be content. Remember the three C's of living in the body of Christ. Don't compete. Don't compare. Don't complain. Say that to you then. Again, don't compete. Don't compare. And don't complain. And we need to respect God as our source. Learn to be content. A lot of times the difference between being content and discontent has to do with your focus on two different things. First of all, your focus on your source. Everybody say source. You become discontent when your focus gets off on who your source is. Is your boss your source? Is your job your source? Or you own a business? Are your customers your source? Or is the government your source? Can I tell you something? The government cannot be your source. With all, they don't have enough. Even them and China together, they don't have enough to be your source. And the market's not your source. And your friends and your mama and anybody else, they're not, you can't be your source. And when you're looking at all those things to meet your needs, you will end up discontent because who your source is is such a valuable, important thing. We'll be talking about that in weeks to come in a series that's coming up. But you've got to know who your source is. And when that focus is off, I'm going to promise you you're discontent. So if you have discontent, if you're disturbed, if you're anxious, if you're complaining, if you're not satisfied, I would guarantee you your focus is off on who is your source. And I'm going to tell you that God, as your source, his supply is not all in a thermos. He has more to offer than Niagara Falls. So that when our little cup is empty or somebody bumps us and we spill it or somebody comes by and takes your cup, guess what? God's resources are unending. And when we understand that instead of it's only what I have right here. If your source is only what you hold in your hands or, or, you know, if a customer comes or goes or whatever it would be, your focus is off on your source and you'll be discontent. The other cause for discontent has to do with timing issues, timing issues. Sometimes you look at your current situation, you look at the present, you look at the right now and you confuse that with the eventual, you confuse that with the ultimate You've got to know that not now does not mean never. And you look at your situation. Don't resign yourself to your situation if you know it's not all that it should be and all that God. Don't resign yourself to that. But learn to be content in that and learn to make God your source in that. Amen. But the big thing is, is we want to learn like Paul did, that we learn to be content. Everybody say content again. And the only way you're going to be content is if you are zeroed in, focused in on it. God is your source. And if you respect him and trust him as your source, you'll also respect and trust him regarding timing. Here's a big caution. Sometimes in our need, in our lack, when something is delayed or seemingly denied, or when we have abundance or when we have ease, we disrespect the Lord. We disrespect the Lord. By becoming discontent. Let me read to you something. 
Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9. It says, two things I request of you. He's asking of the Lord. This is a man named Agur. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Both of those would be disrespected. In the Living Bible, verse 9 says this. For if I grow rich, I may become, watch this, content without God. And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. In today's English version, it reads, If I have more, I might say that I do not need you. But if I'm poor, I might steal and bring, bring disgrace on my God. Now, this is written by Agur, and let me give you a little perspective on what he's teaching here and where he's coming from. If you look back to verse 2 and 3, it'd be on the screen for you. He said, surely I'm more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the Holy One. You know what he's saying? I have not learned, I have not chosen, and I have not learned the fear of the Lord. So this makes him more vulnerable. Follow me. This makes him more vulnerable to those extreme responses. That if somehow I get blessed, if somehow I have something in my life, I'm going to deny God. I'll just be content in myself. I'll say, I don't need God. Well, you won't do that if you have a proper respect for God. Or he says, if I don't have enough, I'll think that I've got to somehow circumvent. I've got to go around. I've got to meet this need on my own. And I'll end up stealing and somehow bring disgrace on your name. You know, some people, if they don't have the proper fear of the Lord, they can't be trusted with much. Because they'll go whack. How many of you know there's some people that have gotten a lot and went whack? The Bible says prosperity ruins a fool. A fool has said in his heart there is no God. So he can't have that proper respect or fear of, fear of God. But when we choose the fear of the Lord and we learn the fear of the Lord and we get centered up on this, that God, you are God, you are my God, and you are my source. And everything that I have comes from you and I want to honor you with that. Then if God blesses you with more, I don't think that you'll become self-content. I don't think that you'll become, I don't need God anymore. Although people do that. I believe if we get this centered up, the fear of the Lord will be our. And what about if you have lack? What if you don't have enough? What about that? Then we're going to trust God that he will be our source in that as well. Amen. Now. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus is teaching us to pray. And he said this, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We mentioned daily bread. Another word that comes to mind as you think figuratively and symbolically throughout scripture is manna. Everybody say manna. In Exodus chapter 16, we won't read there right now. There's also some other accounts of it. And it's also referred to in, in the New Testament as well. But the children of Israel had been dramatically delivered by God. Are y'all here? Dramatically delivered by God out of Egypt. Egypt, The Egyptians were hard taskmasters. It was a horrible life in that sense. Although God took care of them. Even when there was darkness in the land, they had light in Goshen. God did wonderful things for them. And when he brought them out, he brought them out that he might bring them in. Follow that. He brought them out that he might bring them in. God always knows where he's going. Sometimes we only know where we're at. But he brought them out so they might bring them in to a better place. And as he did that, he did dramatic things for me. He split a sea for them. 
He covered them with clouds by day. He warmed them and led them by a pillar of fire by night. They needed meat, he'd fly in meat. Needed water, he'd bring it out of a rock. Whatever they needed, he took care of them. He took care of them. He took care of them. All of a sudden, they started to complain. Again. And as they began to complain, they said, Would that we just stayed in Egypt and worked our tails off. Would that God had just killed us there. Would that he had just let the Red Sea just close in on us. Because we don't have any meat and we don't have any bread. What are we going to do? We're just going to die out here in the wilderness. And they forgot what God had done. They forgot that he was source. And they started to complain because they were discontent. And they were disrespectful to God as their source. But God was merciful. And God was patient. I want to stop right there. How many of you, God has been merciful? How many of you, he's been patient with you? No, we need to think about this in a little bit. How many of you know that even this week, God's been merciful and God's been patient to us? Well, if I were God, so you're asking me to let you starve in the desert? Have it your way. Do you like cheese on that? How many of you are glad I'm not God? Guess what? I'm glad you're not God either. I think I'm whack. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. You know what God did because he's merciful and patient? He flew in meat. He caused the wind to move in such a way that he brought whole coveys of quail to just come by. There There's several times that he did this. He would cause wind to do things. One time they're complaining, we want more meat. He said, you want more meat? I'm going to give you more meat. I'm gonna get, and this is literally out of Scripture. I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to be coming out of your nostrils. Scripture says that. And so he flew in so much quail that the wind just held. There were just flocks that around their camp on both sides just stayed there, just stayed there. And they ate meat. They got their meat. But on this occasion, we want meat and we want bread. So he flew in quail and he rained down bread. He rained down bread. And when they got up in the morning, they came out of their tents all over the ground. It looked like dew was this bread. And they stepped out of their tent. And in Hebrew, they said manna, which literally means, what is it? What is it? And it's been called the bread of angels and the food from heaven. It's been called our daily bread. And let me tell you what it is. And this is where you, you join in with us right here. It's God's miraculous daily provision. It's God's miraculous daily provision. Say it with me. God's miraculous daily provision. One more time. God's miraculous daily provision. Do you think that God being our source who's promised to take care of us, whether it's plenty or just enough that God is able to give us his miraculous daily provision, Provision. Do you believe that? Let me tell you a little bit about this manna. It's not a product of nature. Now, there's a lot of parallels here. Pick this up. It's not a product of nature. It's not something you can work up. God's miraculous daily provision. It's not something you can work up. God provided it for them for 40 years, as long as they needed it. 
until they got to the border of Canaan and crossed over the river Jordan and went on into the promised land. Then they found new grain. It was tasty. It was designed to appeal to all palates. It's described as wafers made with honey. It's also described as pastries prepared with oil. It was versatile. You could bake it, boil it, grind it, beat it, cook it, and make it into cakes. I imagine croissants too. (laughs) You were to gather only enough for each one of your household for each day. You were to gather early. Here's another principle. You were to gather early before the sun came out because then it would melt and vanish. You were not to gather extra. You were to gather what you needed. For you and your household on that day, it was God's miraculous daily provision. When those who did not trust him as source tried to gather extra for the next day, God said, it's my miraculous daily provision. Trust me, respect me as your source. Because if you try to load up on it, this is what would happen with it. It would spoil, it would have worms in it, and it would stink. Actually, it was right there that Febreze was invented in Canaan. Read it on the label. It's right there. I don't know how to make this. Why would I make that up? However, on the sixth day, you were to gather for two days because the next day was Sabbath. And miraculously, as you would gather for those two days, that would miraculously not spoil. And then you were not to gather on the Sabbath, but you were to respect God as your source. And that it would start all over the next day with God's miraculous daily provision. About two months ago, I was on the phone with somebody from our church, a couple that's been a part of our church for a long time. They're business owners. They love God, precious people. They were here first service. And I asked her, I asked the wife, I said, because they were in business, I said, so how are y'all doing? And she said this to me, and God put this in my heart at this point. He put this seed of of this message in my heart at that point. She said, Pastor, I said, how are y'all doing? She said, Pastor, God is giving us manna. Every day, somehow, he's giving us what we need. Every day, he's giving us what we need. And it blessed me. And the reality is, because we've tasted of so much more. I know their business. I know their life. I know they have tasted of so much more. But we are where we are right now. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, we ain't staying here. But we are where we are. And we have better respect God as our source and be content with his daily miraculous provision In our lives. Somebody say amen this morning. Now real quick. Here's what to do. And I want to share these things with you. Real quick this morning. Five things. And I'm I'm going to do these quickly. First of all. You need to follow. His instructions. Everybody say follow his instructions. Okay. Just like he gave instructions regarding the manna. How many of you want manna in your life? Come on, how many of you want his manna? Let me remind you what that is. It's his miraculous daily provision. Then we need to follow instructions. And that means this. Do what God tells you to do. 
Do it how He tells you to do it. And do it when He tells you to do it. And don't ignore Him. Don't argue with Him. And don't try to negotiate with Him. He's got a better vantage point than you. He's God. He knows not only where you are, He knows where He's trying to take you. And probably the biggest lesson that we need to learn right now, flip the chart back, is that God is my source and I respect Him as my source and I know that He will take care of me. So follow His instructions. Amen. Secondly, guard your heart. Everybody say guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. As you guard your heart, realize that where you are is just now. That's the only place you can be is where you are right now. But you're only where you are right now until God leads you and takes you to a better place than you are now. And so in the meantime, remember about the focus of source and focus of timing issues. Then in the meantime, we need to guard our hearts. Again, our society and culture around us is constantly stirring discontent. And we need to be content in God as our source and guard our heart. Realize that this is for now. Until he leads us to a better place. Till things get a little better. This is where we are. So be content. Don't complain. And be creative. You know, after a while, even though God was given his miraculous daily provision of manna, guess what they started to do again? They started to complain. They started to complain. We're so tired of this stuff. So listen, in guarding your heart, be creative. Be creative. I've thought about it. If I literally got manna every day, then you need to be creative with it. It's versatile. I came up with a few ideas. You could have manna loaf. Mashed manna. Manna cotti. Manna witches. Manna a la king. And my favorite for dessert, manna splits. Thank you very much. Now listen. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be content. Don't complain. Be creative. Thirdly, you're not going to like this one. Realize that he might be doing a work in you. Yeah, see, it got quiet. Realize that he might be doing a work in you. So that he can get you to a better place. Whenever, whenever we humble ourselves, whenever he moves upon us to humble ourselves, or whenever he humbles us, is so that some adjustment can take place so that he can lift us up and so that he can help us. I think all of us have been touched. And let's just talk about the economy for a little bit. It's affected everybody. And there's many mighty that have fallen. And there's a lot of us we've had to adjust. Come on. And it's been humbling for us great Americans. But realize that God maybe is doing a work in us. Because sometimes we get a little fat and sassy. Sometimes we just easy come, easy go. 
And let him do that work. This is not a wrong thing. Listen, it's a wonderful thing when God humbles us. Because then an adjustment takes place and we start to respect him as source again. And hey, if you've had any kind of downturn, I'm not saying that you haven't. But go along with me on this and realize that maybe, just maybe, God's doing a work in you. And let him do that work. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we won't read it all right now. But he said, I'm taking you into a land flows with milk and honey. And he says, and you're going to multiply. Things are going to go well with you. And you're going to have this and this and this and this and this. He said, but I want to remind you that I humbled you. Get this. I humbled you by feeding you manna. I humbled you by feeding you manna. And then he finished up by, by saying this in verse 3, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. He said, because man does not live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what he was saying? And that's more than just, you got to read your Bible. It's more than that. It's about knowing his heart, knowing his breath, knowing what is inside him, knowing his character, his essence, his will, his purpose, and to put him back as source of everything in your life. And when you get that adjustment made right, he said, you know what? Then bread's no problem. Bread's no problem. Let him do that work in our hearts. Amen? And then fourthly, you need to rejoice and give thanks. Everybody say rejoice and give thanks. This is very, very important. And it will show up in your words. And you need to acknowledge things. You need to be aware of what's going on around you. Y'all stay with me now. You need to be aware of what you have. You need to be aware of what God does for you. And you need to thank him. And out of Hebrews, I draw this principle. Don't just think your thanks. Do you hear me? Don't just think your thanks. It's the fruit of our lips giving thanks. You need to utter it. You need to say it. Last night, I was ironing my clothes for today. You say, your wife doesn't iron your clothes? Hold on. I was single for a long time. And when we first got married, she started to iron my clothes, and she did it all wrong. And I mentioned that to her. So now I iron my own clothes. Works for us. But I've been meditating on this message and praying and just going over it. And I was ironing my clothes. And this might be overboard for some of all, but I started thanking God for clothes. I started thanking God that I had electricity to iron these clothes. I started thanking God that I have a wife, even though she won't iron my clothes. I, I, no, really, I prefer to do it. I prefer to do it. I love it. I do. Seriously, I do. She'll walk by, she'll that doesn't need ironing. I said, no, yeah, it does. Yeah. Our washer and dryer were right there and they were running and, it, and this might be overkill for some of y'all, but it reminded me, there's a family that lives in my house. And there's clothes and we can care for them and provide for them. And got a washer and a dryer and there's water in there. And neither one of us had to go get that water somewhere. And I woke up this morning and I had a good night of rest and I was safe. I didn't have to wake up every seven minutes and look around. And I was warm. I drove here. I'm going to eat lunch. No, I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm going to eat. 
eat lunch, and I'll have a choice. We have options. Listen to me. I am thankful. And what you need to do, though, listen, is to realize that everything you have, God gave it to you, and you need to thank him, and you need to thank him, and thank him, and thank him, and thank him, and thank him. And then lastly, you need to trust him. Trust. Everybody say trust. trust. You need to trust him as your source for everything. Actively thank God for what you have. Actively trust him for what you need. Just look at his history. He can be trusted. Just look at his history in your life. And he can be trusted. Now, this message is not about continuing to just barely get along or to surrender to some kind of poverty mindset. And this is just the way things are and the way things will always be. No, this is about navigating through where you are right now. This is about getting your bearings in God and letting God be your source and being content. If I end up with more, if I end up just where I'm at, or if I end up with less, I will be content because I know that God will take care of me. But ultimately, and hear this, ultimately all of us, read your Bible, all of us have a responsibility to get into a position with God and allow God to so work in our life and to prosper from the inside out so that you could prosper, so that you could be blessed, so that you could be a blessing, so that you could be a blessing, so we're not just moved by people's needs. Oh, I wish I could help. You know, last week it really went off in my heart. We were talking about the fact that Compassionate Alliance needed these two box trucks. And something went off in my heart. I thought, I wish I could write a check to send a truck. There's just something in me. I wanted to be able to do that. And I'm not able to do that. But you know what I found out? They now have three trucks. Because people were able to do that. I don't want to just stand by and see needs and get, well, I'll pray for you. Prayer is vital. Don't you, don't you undermine that. Don't minimize that a bit. I want to be able to do something. I want to be open hands that God can work through. But you know what? We're never even going to get to that place if we don't just trust him as our source. Follow his instructions. Keep your heart right. Let him work in you. Rejoice and thank him for everything and trust him. And you know what? He will help us to navigate from where we are to where he will allow us to go. Respect God's provision. Respect God as your source for everything. And I want you to hear me on this, no matter what your situation is. He's able to do the supernatural. He's able to do the unexplainable. And there's nothing that is locked that he cannot unlock. There's nothing that he cannot do, fix, help, or make. It's who he is. And he's my source. Your customers are not your source. Stop, looking at, stop living and dying on if the bell rings on your door or on your phone. God knows where there's customers. I need a buyer, I need a seller, I got to do that, I got to do this. God will, God will help you with that. You've got to be active and you've got to be proactive. But I'm telling you what, you better make God your source. Respect him as your source. And never, ever, ever, ever again complain regarding God being our source. And trust him for his miraculous daily provision in our lives. Amen.
Did you get anything at all out of this today?